Heavenly Father, may we abide, remain in Jesus, that we might be people who bear fruit, whose character is that of Christian life, caring about others. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. You're going to have to wait until March 19th for me to talk about the, the verse that those who bear fruit, he prunes. That's very significant, but that's in the future. William Temple was the Archbishop of Canterbury from 1942 until his untimely death in 1944. And William Temple said that a person's character is revealed by what they do when no one is watching. That kind of bugs me. But the fact of the matter is that we do want our characters to develop. We do want to be people of character, whether individuals see us or not. One of the oldest English idioms first appearing in 1546, is you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, that kind of bugs me too because I'm an old dog. That saying means that it is difficult for people to change ingrained habits or present addictions. That's why our text is so significant. Because Jesus says there is a power that can enable us to bear Christian fruit, fruit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Uh, before I go on, just a little bit of trivia. Notice that fruit is in the singular both in John 15 and Galatians 5, they come as a package. It's not as if I have gentleness, but I don't have self-control. If I have received the fruit of the Spirit, it's all connected. It's all in one package. So how can someone like me experience character change and become fruit-bearing in my life? Well, our text is the answer. And I want to approach this from the three headings you have in your service folder of the outline of the message. First, why must we bear fruit? Why must we grow? Number two, why can we grow? And number three, which is the most practical part of the sermon, how can we grow? 
So, first of all, why must we grow? That's pretty simple. Jesus says, if a branch is not bearing fruit, essentially it's dead, and it's cut off and thrown in the burn pile. That's kind of startling, a bit shocking. But what he is saying is a branch that is alive in Christ will bear fruit. It's natural, it's inevitable. Number two, why can we grow? Why can we bear fruit? Well, our text, Jesus' words, he says, remain in me and I'll remain in you and you'll bear much fruit. He says, I am the vine, and this is verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. You will bear much fruit because you are in me and I am in you. And without me, you can't do anything. Now, this is speaking of an intimate, energizing connection to Christ. One of my favorite passages in the New Testament is 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Jesus' power, Jesus' divine power enables us to do everything in the living of a godly life. Jesus is the source of the energy that can course through our hearts and minds and actions. Now, I want you to notice something very significant. This is more than the relationship of an employer to an employee, which is basically the employer tells you what to do and you do it. It's more than the relationship between a teacher and a student. The teacher may explain why you should do this, but they really can't do much more than that. It's even more than the relationship of a parent to a child. A parent might show you how to do something, but all of these are an external force when what we really need is an internal change. And in John 14, Jesus says, I am in the Father, you are in me, I am in you. Abiding with Jesus means that he takes up residence in our heart, our mind, and our subsequent actions. Also note that Christianity is not simply a set of beliefs that we must adhere to. Christianity is not merely an ethic that we should follow. 
Christianity is not merely a spiritual experience that is exciting. Christianity is an intimate connection to Jesus Christ. Christianity is the experience of his divine power in your life. Why can we grow? Maybe I should say, how only can we grow? And it's when the branch is connected to the vine, the source of life. It's when Christ has this intimate relationship and connection to each one of us. Again, in John 14, Jesus says, because I live, you will live also. He gives us life-giving power, the same way the vine gives the branch life and the ability to bear fruit. Finally, how can we grow? This is very practical, and it's almost too simple. You can read the text and figure it out for yourself. In verse 5, he says, I'm the vine and, the bran and you are the branches. Remain in me and you remain. And I will remain in you and will bear much fruit. Okay. And that's simple enough. Remain in Jesus. Take up residence in Jesus. And Jesus will take up residence in you. How? Can't you be a little bit more specific? How do I remain in Jesus? How does he remain in me? Well, verse 7 says, Jesus says, If you remain in me and my words abide or remain in you. Well, that's getting a little bit clearer. This isn't just a passing glance or a sort of a quasi-acquaintance. This is actually living in the Word so that you can see yourself, so that you can understand yourself, so that you will find yourself through Jesus' words. You'll also understand the world. You'll understand other people through Jesus' words. So not just a glancing acquaintance, but a real connection to, appreciation of, and digesting of Jesus' words. Now we jump to verse 9, and he says, Abide in my love. Okay, you know what he's saying, right? My words are about my love for you. Abide in my love. My love is what energizes you. It's what transforms your heart and your mind. 
what changes your character, what makes you bear fruit. During Lent especially, you have an opportunity to live in, to remain in Jesus' love. The focus on the cross and how much he has loved us. Now, the next step, at first glance, seems a bit confusing. It seems out of place. But Jesus says, if you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love. A lot of commentators make this a conditional statement. If you obey my commandments, I'll love you. That's obviously not the case, because way back in verse 5, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Don't think you can do this on your own steam. There must be something else going on here. And I find the, the commentators really dance around this, and my favorite commentator nailed it. And he doesn't say it this way, but this is the way I'm going to say it. Just keep reading. And you get to verse 12. By the way, I didn't mention it, but verse 10 is, if you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love. In verse 12, he says, this is my commandment. Now, I've never used this word. I can recollect in my life. But this commentator says, Jesus subsumes all of his commandments into one. I would say he melts down all of his commandments into one. Maybe he boils down all of his commandments into one. Love one another as I have loved you. You're not going to be able to do that unless you know and experience how he has loved you. Wasn't uh, Psalm 38 a bit of a downer? Such a variety of ways of saying, I'm sorry. It hurts. I need forgiveness. You will never love other people unless you have experienced Christ accepting and forgiving love. You will not have the power to love other people, some of whom you probably don't even like, unless you experience the love of Jesus who went to the cross for you when we were his enemies. Only if you get into that and swallow it whole Will you have any desire, any dedication, any power to love other people in this world? You're going to have to keep going back over and over and over again to see what Jesus' love has accomplished in your life before you're going to be enabled and empowered to love others. Well, okay, give me a shorthand. What is Jesus' love? Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life 
for his friends. It's sacrificial. Christ is willing to die that you might live. He's willing to be rejected that you might be accepted. He's willing to be mocked that you might be praised. He's willing to <coughs> die a criminal's death that you might acquire a prince's palace. I'm not saying that in your love of others, <clears throat> you will necessarily sacrifice your life, but you will sacrifice. You will sacrifice your own interest for the sake of someone else. You are willing to give up your own honor in order to exalt someone. You're willing to be called crazy or foolish so that another person might, through you, experience the love of Christ. I want to say two things in conclusion. First of all, we are naturally skeptical. Can an old dog really learn new tricks? Can my character be changed? Can I, as a branch connected to Christ the vine, produce fruit? Don't sell yourself short, but more importantly, don't, sh don't sell Jesus short. When you abide in him and he lives in you, you will be amazed. You might even, and this is a great sacrifice, you might even let somebody go in front of you at the checkout in Safeway. You might even be courteous when you're driving Highway 26 into Portland and everybody else wants to cut you off and get there ahead of you. Minor examples. Don't sell the divine power of Jesus Christ short. When you live in his love, you will be amazed, astounded at what you are able to do and how much you care 2nd point, don't sell other people short. Don't look at somebody, oh, they'll never change. 
they're stuck in their habits. They're enslaved by their addictions. There's nothing that can cause them to change. There's no power on earth that can change them. I would remind you of the Apostle Paul. Paul was so optimistic and so hopeful that the message of Jesus Christ crucified would change people, that he went all over his world. There was no one that he saw beyond the reach of Christ's love, beyond the power, the energy of his divine love, of his sacrificial love. He never gave up on anybody, and you know why? Because God didn't give up on him. I don't think you can find a worse sinner than Paul. Killing Christians in the name of God? I mean, not only is that murder, that's crazy. And Paul said, if Christ's love can change me, it could change you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to abide, to remain in Jesus, his word, his love. Help us to be so enamored with his love that it infects and influences our lives so that we might go out into this world of ours and love others. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.